Wilson, like a cork in the ocean over his head. Marking contest over the top, Subic, great grab. Across the ground, bam, in comes Donny Wilson. Got it out to a oh. kick, kick it. check, Hunter. Who would have thought the sequel would be just as good as the original? Kicks inside 50, McGovern, McGovern, what a player. The premiers of 1992. The 1994 premiers. Premiers. The 2018 AFL Premiership team. The West Coast Eagles. And we're not going to waste time with plugs, gents. We're going to get straight into it. The West Coast Eagles had a win. I'm happy. I'm sure you're happy. If you're watching along, please jump in the comments and tell us just how happy you are. It's been a long time coming, but but by God, they got one done. West Coast Eagles, 14 goals, 16-100. Defeated the Greater Western Sydney Giants, 11-15-81. Bender, a bit touch and go in the first quarter, although the approach was nice. People seemed generally pretty on board with how things were playing out. And then that second quarter, bang, the Eagles poured it on like we haven't seen in genuinely years. Sort of cruised to the finish line, but the damage hadn't been done. How nice is it? How refreshing to be back on the winner's list? Yeah, it's, it's, it it's honestly feels somewhat unfamiliar, but it's fantastic. Um, at the end of the game, there was a, a, a bit of a new unfamiliar feeling, and then the uh, the song kicked in and, and ruined it. But oh. um, <laughs> I'm not going to get into the bitching about it, but... It just feels like such a flat end to what what was really a, a great day. But that second quarter felt like days back at Subi when we used to flat track teams. So, yeah, it was a mm. nice feeling to get back in the winner's circle for sure. Uh, Keys Bender just mentioned there the term flat track, which we absolutely love. It didn't turn out that way because GWS, after halftime, maybe steadied the ship. Maybe we ran out of legs. A little bit of chat to be had there. But that second quarter and certainly the approach in the first half, it looked new to my eyes. There seemed to be more runners, more playing on. And I think we haven't scored uh, as well as we did in that second quarter since about 2019. So certainly a refreshing atmosphere at the game. Yeah, I mean, the second quarter sort of came from out of nowhere, really. I'm, I mean, there were signs there. You know, the first quarter was, was thereabouts, but there was still, it looked like we were more attacking. We were getting our own share of ball and everything like that, but it wasn't really going on the scoreboard. So it's a bit of a, it looked like we we're going to be in for a bit of an arm wrestle. And then, you know, you sort of, oh, we've got a goal. And so, oh, we've got another one. And then we're sort of in front. And then, you know, we're sitting there, shit, we're, we're five goals up here. Mm. And it sort of was like, shit, well, yeah, this has been a pretty good, fucking good quarter. Um, and it was kind of, um, yeah, you know, just that that last sort of cheapy that GWS got that kind of sucked the life out of it, and then it would have been nice if um, Jake had, Jake Waterman had a really good quarter. It sort of slotted that one just at the end. It would have, mm. yeah, would have would have been nice. But you know, an eight goal to two quarter, you're not you're not bitching about that. Um, and then um, that third quarter was interesting because. I went to the game with my son, who's a newly minted member at the club, um, after being in the wings for about six or seven years. So that was nice to go with him as a. Um, the first five minutes of that third quarter were probably, I think, as intense and invested as a game as I've seen our guy, guys for a long time. We mm-hmm. really came out and we got we got the first two goals of the quarter and we blew it out to, I think, around about 45 points. And it actually genuinely looked like we might be able to, to take a side apart. And then, you know, sort of from then on, it kind of, GWS sort of got themselves back in the game a little bit. And I don't know whether that was, maybe there was a bit of tide. Everybody looked gassed by the end. We were um, out. You know, and I think it's part of that game style where you're sort of running and things like that that I think that it's really hard to maintain. And even the best sides can't do it. You know, you look at, um, I don't care which side you're looking at, you can't just keep that full-on run-and-gun style going for, for four full quarters. And I think we got to 45 and then... From there, it sort of just rummaged around. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then even with three minutes to go, we're still thirty points up. So you know, it wasn't it wasn't as if we were um, in any danger of losing. Um, so no, it was it was good, good vibe in the crowd, and good to see some uh, some familiar and some unfamiliar names stand up. So we got a comment from Mark here, and Bender, that's a good jumping-off point for everybody. Uh, Mark in the comments is saying, Hunt, Jones, and Petrescu-Seaton gave us the leg speed that we desperately needed. 
which enabled us to move the ball faster. I mean, Jones is a huge takeaway. Hunt watching live, he's a, he's a full-time winger. He's not a halfback flanker. He plays the wing for the West Coast Eagles. We had a new game style by all metrics. You know, the run and ha- the run and carry was great. The handball receives were up. The running from behind. How visible was that, I suppose, from the start? Or like, Was it one of those things where it just all clicked? Or do you think maybe this is the new benchmark that we have to hold the Eagles to, you know, for the rest of the, for rest of the season? Uh, look, I'd like to think it was the benchmark. Um, but how much of it, I think they came out with like more intensity than we've seen in a while as well. And you kind of wonder how much of it was the rev up from off-field stuff, yeah. um, you know, that you know, I, I heard Kennedy on Duffield's pod, podcast saying this week that Simo doesn't generally bring the negative press into it to fire people up, but I'm sure that they would have heard it, you know, around the traps just as they would have and how much that fired them up. But it was it was fantastic um, to see and it was refreshing and exciting and I think it was everything we were hoping for in the off-season and it finally came to fruition. And the, the more I think about it, it's it, when I did the votes at the end of the game, it was so hard to narrow it down to five. I think there was mm. probably 11 to 12 good players that you could say, you know, oh, well, well, he played well, you know, because, you know, Hunt is probably, I'm not sure if I included him in my votes, but then there's another player that had a great game. Cripps, another one who just, even though he, he kicked a bunch of goals, it still felt like he was under the radar a bit. But if everyone, or there was a large amount it was of very well-performed players on mm. out of everyone and just a very handful of, of people that you thought like oh I probably didn't go that great but you don't want to go into the negativity of when we haven't had a win in that long do you so but no, no it was really good to see it going off nice nice little reset a lot of guys played mm. the best game they've played in a while all at the same time and maybe that's the outcome there uh keys mm. you touched on that third quarter and bender just brought crips up I want to talk about the forward line dynamic, but specifically Cripps's work rate. I think our first goal in the third quarter was Jamie Cripps just putting in the chase of all chases. It's done the rounds a little bit on social media this week, and I think they've mentioned it on the couch and things like this. Cripps's work rate, tremendous. Hunt's was tremendous. Liam Ryan could find a teammate anywhere, and we kind of blazed away with our inside 50s. Liam Ryan was the only one. He just kept putting it on him. But Petreski seaton looked good. We've got Long, who had his second quarter for the ages. He's looking like an absolute steal. That Forward line mix, throw in Waterman having the game of a lifetime, throw in Allen shaking off the rust, Darling still working hard. It's kind of a new look forward line, even though there's some familiar names, because certainly, Keys, it would seem to me that the approach is different. Yeah, the forward line, I think I had a, had a look at stats. I can't remember if it was halftime or three-quarter time, and I think it was something like um, 12 forward line, forward 50 tackles to three. Mm. And it's been a long, long time since we've had that sort of stat that far in our favour. Um, what What's happened a bit is I think that's the way Simpsons wanted us to be playing. But, you know, we weren't winning the footy and we weren't quite able to do it the way we wanted. So we finally got to see what they're trying to do. It doesn't mean that next week we're going to be able to play like that again because, mm. you know, for a minute I'll look at ways... I think the the tweaks that we made positionally all worked. I think moving Jones to half back clearly worked. I think Hunt looked better on the wing, as you said. Um, Protrescu Seaton coming in um, gave us something half at half forward, and probably gave us um, his pressure was good, but his disposal was he was pretty good as well. Um, yeah, it gives Ryan a bit of support where so, he's not the only guy. Yeah, so I think that it's sort of, and then we had Shuey sort of coming off the back of the square a little bit and, and things like that. So all the positional stuff, and Waterman sort of snuck in as a as a proper third tall, which he hasn't really been able to play that role very mm. often in the past. Um, and with, I mean, Alan and Darling were both, um, they were trying hard, they were sort of making a, um, yeah, they're leading up, but they were relatively well held, but they allowed Waterman to sort of come in and, and sort of lead up while, while GWS defence was preoccupied with those two, um, and he, you know, he got his four goals. He could have had could have had five or six mm. in the finish. Um, so it was a really good game. But it was, it was, the way it worked was was really good. I mean, Oscar Allen's got um, more rust on him than one of the spikes I have waiting to distribute, but. Um, you know, he'll be better for the run. Mm. And Sam Taylor's an outstanding defender as well. So, you know, that's the learning curve for Oscar Allen. He hasn't had to deal with the, the opposition's number one defender um, all that often. Um, so, you know, but he's still got his two goals. So that's a decent contribution from him. So, yeah, it kind of all, all looked pretty good. Uh, 
Keys mentioned the uh, the tackles in forward half. I think I saw Jack Darling had five of those and, you know, did some good ruck work down there, worked really hard. I thought he had a bit of an underrated game. But Bender, as you said, there's just not room in the votes on a day like that. And what a nice change of pace to be trying to find room for the votes, you know, instead of having to scrounge up, all right, who was our fifth least bad today? We've actually got, you know, some people that genuinely were stiff to, to miss out. Uh, Paul in the comments saying Tim Kelly had a great game and so did Noah Long. Bender, take it away on the midfield mix. We saw some improvements. We saw what I think Eagles fans would say is some regression in terms of Gaffey spent a lot more time at the coalface. But Tim Kelly, there's been a bit of heat on him throughout his journey with the Eagles. He bloody responded this week. Yeah, I think both he and Williams started with an intensity that we haven't seen much from both of them. Um, Williams was throwing himself first at the rut contest, and then when he hit the deck, he was following up and, and mm. you know putting his body on the line, trying to get the ground ball even on his knees and feed it out or whatever he could do. Um, much like I guess Nad Nui does with his um his follow up from from a tap if he doesn't get it to a player and yeah and Kelly was amongst it quickly and early and I think look he faded as the game went on uh but I still think uh, look I, I had Ryan ahead of him I thought in the the, the votes but he was he, his first quarter set a standard that was so high that it seemed to you know he didn't have to to do quite as much and if he did the same as he did for the first quarter he would have had the greatest game of all time you know what I mean so yeah, exactly. it was. He he was he brought the standard early, and I think you know when you do that, when you see that from the centre bounce from Williams and and Kelly, it, it obviously influences everyone to put in that same effort. Um, I was a little bit disappointed, you know. It's, again, I hate staying going with negative stuff after such a good no, no. win that's been a rarity. But to see Gaff in the centre square again, I thought we kind of moved on from that. But look, it, we when you win the game, it's hard to kind of complain about this kind of stuff. Um, but uh, you know, yeah, the the Gaff one. I'm going to be tracking those centre bounces as I've mentioned a few times. We've got the thread firing up on Big Footy there. Zero centre bounces in the first week and then 11 this week. It seems that maybe with uh, Xavier O'Neill coming out of the side, there was a little bit of a reshuffle. You know, maybe SPS was Jones last week and Gaff was Exxon this week and a little bit. We'll have to wait and see what it looks like. Of course, you can never guarantee that you're ever going to be at full strength. But, you know, if we find ourselves at full strength, what that looks like, I don't quite understand it, but is what it is. And, and Simo's pretty keen on... I, I'm happier that he's rotating more bodies through. At least that's a start. If it has to be gaff, then so be it. It's probably not the way I'd go with it. But, uh, but yeah, Tim Kelly, 32 touches and a goal. He got all 10 of the coaches' votes. He might get all three of the Brownlow votes as well. Although, yeah, Bender, I'm with you. I actually thought Ryan had the most impact for us. Uh, moving to the backline keys, you mentioned before we had a bit of Tom Cole, although he got a bit of time on the wing. We had Jermaine Jones, Shuey playing off the halfback. Do you have any concerns about the big guys? Because Shannon Hearn found plenty of the pill again, but Barass probably lowered his colours, I think it's fair to say. He's been on a tear for nearly a year now, so he deserves an off game. But Barass not quite sticking him, maybe Gov not quite sticking him. Is it just something that needs to be worked out, iron out the kinks a little bit? Yeah, I don't, don't quite know. Um, yeah, Tommy's been just a little bit off off the pace the first two rounds. Um, just I don't know if he's not quite timing his leaps properly or not reading it, just trying to resettle back with, with Gov in the side and trying to find that balance with the two of them back there after he sort of held the back line together without McGovern the, the second half of last year. Um, yeah, really uncharacteristic sort of shove on uh, that mm. little blonde-headed fella, um, giving away 50, which is, you know, they said it in the commentary, that's sort of unusual for Brass and it, it is. He's pretty pretty unflappable usually. Um, so, yeah, I, I think he'll come good. And I think McGovern was one of our best players the week before, so I'm not too worried um, with his game. And he was still fairly good. But it's, you know, two weeks in a row now where, you know, Larky kicks six straight mm. against us and Hogan, you know, three, four, he could have easily had, he could have, he probably should have had six. But some of the ones he missed were... Um, were pretty straightforward, but he can't obviously can't shake the Fremantle out of him properly. Um, so it'll be interesting, you know. Fremantle will play. Yeah, you know, they've got a couple of tools this week that will be looking to um, redeem themselves. So Tom will he'll need a he'll need a good game. Um, but two rounds, you know, or not? I think Tommy Barras had a. I think from memory had a pretty slow start to last season as well. So um, so I'm not overly concerned uh, that he can't come good. Uh, does Tom do better without Gov or when Gov's not there, asks Kim in the comments. And it's a thought we've seen explored before. I think we need all hands on deck at the moment, but uh, we'll certainly get to that when we look at the Frio game and, and how we might approach that. 
A couple of comments here about Greg Clark should come into the team. I reckon we'll save that for the back end of the pod. We'll we'll have a little look at what we do with the wing roll and all the ins, all the likes. But uh, I will will say in Gaffey's defence, I don't think mm. he was. He wasn't that bad. I think by his what you know, his 2018, 2019 standard. Oh, but that's gone. He's not going to get. He's not going to get back there. Um, He had some shitty moments when he tried to make sure he got back around onto his left and fucked it. Um, But he had some good moments, and he wasn't. um, He came out the front of the square a couple of times with no centre clearances, um, getting a hold of the end of it, getting on the end of it. So he wasn't. It wasn't terrible. Um, I thought our best goal of the game was set up by Gaff doing what will now be his best role, which is, I think it was Duggan. Somebody led pretty hard. We had the ball off halfback. And Gaff just waited for him to lead and just slowly found himself in that little pocket of space. And Ham, I'm pretty sure it was Duggan. It might have been Hunt. But Gaff came and got a little cheapy mark in that pocket of space, got the handball away, and we went quickly. And I think he was the only one that still had legs. He can still run like you wouldn't believe in terms of endurance. You know, he still goes in the fourth quarter. So that finding those pockets of space and giving it to someone else is the gaff role from now on. It used to be finding the pockets of space and kicking and, and opening it all up for us, but he needs to be a receiver and then get it to somebody else. He's got good footy in him. He was kind of killing me on the weekend with some of those kicks and reluctance to use the right, and I get it. When you're the whipping boy, you're the whipping boy, and he probably didn't help himself with some of his stuff on the weekend for me, but we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see how it gets used. Uh, Bender, this is more of a philosophical one, I suppose. Maybe this is the standard. Maybe this is the benchmark, and I'm sure we're not going to hit these heights every single week from here on in, but does a win like that do anything for you in terms of your outlook on the season or your outlook on where the club is at? Is it just, you know, it's nice to get a win against the Tide? You know, we've needed something to keep our head above the water a little bit, or does it actually influence how you think we're building and how you think we're shaping up as we attack the future? It's hard to say because the, the club has, has come out in the past couple of weeks and started throwing out the rebuild word anyway. So mm. if, if this is a win, it's a win in a season that where we're kind of more developing players and, you know, recruiting players in the next couple of years to, to build towards the premiership. So it's not like, oh, it's one part of our... 16 win season where we start pressing mm. for the flag it's just kind of like it's a it's a feel good win and it's nice to to see some some changes amongst it but i don't know it's i think that's for a casual fan i would have thought you know you'd be pretty stoked with what you saw on the weekend i think for a hardcore fan that's trying to think when does the flag come and like you know where are we going in in terms of game plan and recruitment um it was still nice to have a win but i think it's just part of the building blocks towards the future more than maybe building block for two years away than than this season, if you know what I mean. For sure. Uh, I suppose a few things for me that you can take away from the game and think good, you know, think positive thoughts about for the future. Long, we're already just sort of accepting that he's going to have a good quarter or some good influence. He looks clean around the ball. Jinbi, literally have not mentioned his name once. It's game two for him. And, you know, I'll try and track down his stats where we are here. Jinbi, 17 touches, another six tackles. He leads the AFL in tackles after two games. And you're just like, oh, yeah, you know. So that looks like a good pickup there. For me, Keys, though, it's that game style. And we've been desperate for any sort of transition game, any sort of movement away from that slow, methodical build-up. You know, at its best, it was quite suffocating. But at its worst, it just looked super laboured. Whereas on the weekend, it was like, you know what? Shuey gets a free kick in the centre circle and four guys want to have the footy. It's just fun to watch. It feels like they're invested. It feels like they're having a crack. And for me, I guess, tracking that game plan change as we go forward, Keys, that's probably what I'm looking for. Yeah, I think the win's a bit of a sugar hit. And I think we need to um, need to bear in mind that it's GWS, who, hmm. you know, they're probably bottom of six side and they had, they'd come off a pretty tough game physically the week before and they're missing two or three pretty good players. So, you know, that's that's in the back of your mind. But I think the, the good things about the win was I think there is some... Um, some solid evidence of where the club's tracking and where they want to try and get to with the game plan. It's like, okay, there is a there is a plan there. You can sort of see, well, okay, that's what they're trying to to get to consistently. It's not going to happen all the time, but that's if that's what they're working towards, there's there's something there. Um, as you touched on, we sort of you know we've got four or three first year players in that side and one second year player who's for all intents and purposes a first year player in in reality. Um, and the other thing which I I think I said in the the pod two weeks ago before the season started. One of the things I wanted to see was um, those some of those players in that 22 to 26-year-old age group that we've got on the list that have shown glimpses but haven't shown the consistency. We saw Jones and Waterman and Petrescu-Seaton all mm. step up. You mm. know, 
and if they can, if if those guys can build on that and say, right, that's the level that I can play at, and they can get somewhere near that consistently, well, then we've got three more guys who are going to sort of jump out of the, the mediocre pile and actually become damaging, you know, uh, not superstars, but guys who can play at a damaging level. Um, because if you get, I think Will Schofield said on one of, the, one of his fucking thousand shows that he does, yeah. If Jermaine Jones plays like that every week, he's an All Australian halfback, mm. and, and that's right because you can't you can't have a better game as a, or much better game than that as a halfback than what Jones did. Um, Petrescu Seaton, I think he had twenty disposals um, thereabouts. Yep. Didn't kick a goal. They had a hand in a few. Twenty and, and four inside fifties. Yep. And and Waterman's kicked four goals as well mm. as you know chopping out a bit in the ruck. So. You know, we get we get that sort of thing each week. Uh, you know, there's there's something to look forward to, even if even if there's you know the wins sort of a, or hopefully not not another nine games before we get the next one. But you know, if wins are sort of you know a bit here or there, at least if we can see shit like that each each week, um, you're going to be looking bigger picture. You're going to be sort of yeah okay. There's a there's something on the horizon that we're working towards. Yeah, you're going down with a fight in a way, and you can at least see that this is what they're trying to build. It's the people that are doing the heavy lifting as well. You know, if it's Kelly and throw in Ryan and throw in Waterman and a nice game from Jinby, that feels a hell of a lot more sustainable than Hearn and Shuey being our best players on a given week. Uh, any parting thoughts on the GWS game, gentlemen? Anybody got anything they want to wrap up with? I'll have one thing. Yep. And it's, it's been a real bugbear of, I think, everybody's for a long, long time. And that's our kickouts. Always. Oh yeah, yeah, yep, yep, yep. And I thought on on that game, we probably went to the right still fifty percent of the time, maybe a bit more. But what I noticed at the ground was we tend to we we seem to spread out more across the you know spread our guys out so that when we did go to the right, we weren't going to a pack of twenty players. Mm. So I think we got one goal out of it in the last quarter where Wither and kicked at the Waterman in the center, and we moved we right up the middle, and the, and the goal Hunt got. I mean the rest of it. Um, I think most of them sort of ended up in a stoppage or something like that. What they didn't do was come back over our head. Mm. And that's been a real a real problem with those kickouts because we've locked ourselves on that right hand side. We've we've had so much trouble getting it out to even to a even to a, a stoppage on the on the, you know, hundred metres out from goal, they've come straight back in. So we seem to mix that up a little bit. Uh and so that was good. That was I was encouraged by that as well because it's been something that shat everyone for a long, long time. I'll finish on that. Nicely done. Uh Bender all clear. Uh, just touch on Duggan's bump. Um, yeah, people say that say the bump yeah. is dead. You can't, you can't, can't take it. You can't imagine the scenario and how he's supposed to play it without bumping there. And it was beautiful. It was legal. It was perfect. It was lethal. Yep. Everything like about it was great. Um, and you worry about the way forward if if they're saying you can't use your hips and shoulders. Um, it's a worry when something as perfect as that is executed. That's probably about my parting thought. Anyway, yeah, for seconds, I'll, I'll add that he had a couple. Of, he had a couple of other instances throughout the game where he sort of body lined the player and not quite as impactful as that, but took him off the line of the footy. And I thought his physicality in the game was really mm. important. And that that bump was, um, you know, that helped get us going. It got the crowd up on their feet, and you know, it was like, oh, fuck, he's killed him. You know, I mean, not literally, but. And it's a shame that the, the young fellas got hurt. Um, but it's the sort of thing where it does. It's it's sex crisis. All right, we we are in this uh, seriously, and you know we we've missed that for a long time as a player that's willing to to move in and and, and make some space for his teammates and and uh, make the opposition sort of worry about where you know one or two blokes are. So yeah, good on him, and thanks for raising that, Ben, because I fucking forgot about that. Heroes and villains time then, gentlemen. And I'm sure the Heroes nominations will be coming thick and fast this week. It's been a bit bit dire sometimes when we try to get some heroes, but Keys is opening up his second beer, so we're on for a long runway on the villain section. Let's get through some heroes first, Keys. Uh, look, Duggan, as you said, uh, Bender brought up Bailey Williams. Not a 10 out of 10 by any game on the weekend, but a wholly serious effort in the ruck. Physical, looked pissed off. He worked hard. Great shout from you, Bender. I thought his game was a bit of a tone setter. Nice to see Kelly, you know, Jones, Waterman, Long, plenty of players. So I'm sure there's a, a fair few efforts going around. Bender, do you want to lead us off? Anyone in particular that was your hero above all others? Um, I'm going to go with 
with JK at the coin toss, who set the, uh, the standard early and gave <laughs> nice, us the initial win. Um, that was that was good to see him there, and and happy for him and, and Nelson to get their their lap in front of the home crowd. I don't know how many laps he's done now, but that was um that was a good way oh. to get start off the game. I thought. Um, but yeah, I had another gag one which I mentioned to you before, which was you know like it, it wasn't the actual it was the Luke Jackson stuff on the back of the West Australian. Now it wasn't the article itself that they're my heroes for. It was the reactions that it drew from um, the Frio faithful about they went straight for Natanui. like they they couldn't yeah. help it. They their response was Natanui straight away, and you could see him foaming through their uh, through whatever they were writing on Twitter, which was just fantastic, and that. That was for for the the flow on effect. I really couldn't care about the article. It was knee jerk clickbait bullshit. But the reactions that it got from the Frio faithful was fantastic. Um, but uh, outside of that, they, they were my two that stood out off the field anyway. But yeah, too many to name on the field for me anyway. Uh, so I had that down as a villain in terms of the the paper. I thought that was a pretty cheap shot round two. I don't really buy into the, you know, he's he's 21 or 22, however old he is. I don't really, but you're a footy player, a footy player. I think it's kind of fair game, but I still think it's a cheap shot. It's round two. He hasn't quite fit in yet. They'll be fine. Hopefully we oh, destroy yeah. him this 100%. week. But anyway, but you're right. You go on the West. Uh, I saw the Twitter account. I'm sure they posted it on Facebook. Oh, now we keep, now marks are important for a Ruckman. Now you care about how many marks. <laughs> but you know what? I actually think it's a fair point on their behalf because marks are not a, be all and end all metric for Ruckman. They weren't when Freo fans brought him up about Nat Nui. It's not when the West's using it to drag Jackson. But like, boy, they got a fucking chip on their shoulder. They really imagine being so joyless that Keys you're gonna deprive yourself of a career, Nick Nat Nui. I know not everybody always likes opposition players or rival players or whatever, but how fucking joyless could you be, boys? Like it's not that I, big of a deal. It's not that serious. The, the, the best one, which was even better than the marks they were bringing up, was some of them turned said, Well, Jackson's got a premiership, Nick Nat Nui's got none. I was like, well, Fuck your entire club. <laughs> I didn't say that. Okay, that's good. Yeah, that's heroic. You're, you're pulling in the premiership before you even got to your club to sort of say, well, there's a good one. So fuck off. That's good. All right, that's good, clean fun. Uh, Jones, we've got a couple of comments coming through. Jones, hands down for a hero nomination. Kelly, Long, and Ryan. Uh, give Snake Waterman a new contract. A lot of agreement on the pod last week about how vital Jake the Snake was, so nice to see him get a bit of a reward. Uh, Keys, any any hero nominations from yourself? I'll say, I'll, I'll jump on the bandwagon, I'll say Long, because that second quarter was, um, that was huge, just the way Fun. he got in. And, and it wasn't, it wasn't sort of quarter from a first year player where he just gets on the end of a few things and you know the flow of the game is that way, so he sort of gets on the end of it. He was a catalyst. He was one mm. of the catalysts for that second quarter because he wasn't getting on. He was dragging blokes down in tackles and spilling balls out, using it really well for a guy in his second game to shape up, have a snap at goal, and then realise that no, I'm going to get shut down here. I'm going to find a teammate in the clear and handball off the Cripps' goals. That's that shit you can't teach. That's just mm. something that's innate. So um, my hero was the, the bloke that sat next to me um, from about halfway through the second quarter. Um, I was in seat two, so seat one was spare. Halfway through the second quarter, this fella comes down with a tray of full tray of four beers, and it was halfway through the second quarter. He hadn't been there before the rest of the before the match. I was like, okay, maybe he just didn't he want to watch the game and and uh, didn't want to walk up. But then he sat there and started ploughing through the beers. And I was like, well, he's not sitting there because he wanted to watch the game. He's there because he couldn't be fucked walking up any more steps uh, with a full tray of beer. Did that, got to half time and went and got something to eat, came back, the seat was spare. Halfway through the third, he comes back, sits back down again. Another try of four beers. Good man. So okay. Then the last, he goes and gets another try of four beers. In in a half a footy, he's not through twelve. I don't know where he went at half time, and I'm guaranteed that he wasn't at the pisser. He was getting more beers, other than the four he brought back with him. And it was halfway through the second quarter, so I reckon he's gone through twenty beers. He's on, I mean, yeah, he's on pace for sixteen twenty beers. But, just like shit, you know, he's fucking single-handedly putting Optus Stadium into profit. Good on him. Um, so and not a stumble, not a nothing. He was just yeah, it's an expensive way to get drunk because I wasn't nice. a fucking corporate. Nicely done. Uh, Simo gets a hero nomination from myself. Surprise, surprise! Everybody's going to be like, "Oh, mate, going after Simo again, are you?" 
showed a bit of passion. I think it's a bit empty and a little bit hollow to say, oh, you want to see him get angry on the broadcast and whatever, because we don't know the reality. We don't know what they're like behind closed doors. But you know what? Tommy Barras got out-muscled and or jumped too early, gave up a goal to Hogan. Uh, second quarter, I reckon. The Eagles were flying. It's the best quarter they'd had in years. And Simo stood up and just hurled the water bottle into the bin. Bit of fire on the uh, on the broadcast there. And I know that a few people on Big Footy noticed that one and liked that one. So good on you, Simo. Way to fire up. And uh, that'll hopefully get your contract extension. And I'll be happy because I'm a big Simo Sicker fan. Uh, Hero of the week. It might be that. might be thirsty work. It might be the gentleman next to you, Kays. <laughs> uh, no, I'm, I'm with, uh, with Simo because not only did he show a bit of passion, but he and his coaching group, I think, had a good day. So, um, and yeah, I think it. Uh, people I think that doesn't mean much to those guys. You saw how much it fucking meant to him on the day. He really wanted the win. So I'm, yeah, Simo gets it. And I know I'm a Simo Sicker fan. I don't give a shit because I like the guy and I want him to do well, unlike other people. <laughs> Bender, concur. Anyone anyone better than the general vibe of no. the club and the coaches getting a win? No, I'm pretty happy with that, I think. Nicely done. Right, here's the good stuff. This is the villains. And we like this even when we win. Probably like it more when we win, I'd say. A uh, few villains coming through in the comments uh first of all a couple of media people as you'd expect sumich gave ryan a six out of ten in the paper apparently uh yep not having a bar of that because i thought he was best on good stuff suma uh muppet of the match day here we go muppet of the match day anyone who thinks they know what actually happened in north versus uh the purples there the frio finish with the siren and the out of bounds and the deliberate bit of a clusterfuck there uh another villain coming through here a villain for fox and this i'll piggyback off this if you wouldn't mind ladies and gents Fox for broadcasting all about the Giants at the start of the game. And while JK was tossing the coin, they didn't mention him. And they also didn't mention Cousins and all the uh, all the ex-Eagles, all the legends playing a bit of a game beforehand. So uh, a little bit of one-sided traffic there from Fox. And if you'll forgive me, gents, for piggybacking off that one, Fox footy, as always, the most Vic-centric you know, aspect of, of the AFL house, I think. But uh, we've got the showdown this weekend. Very exciting. Good rivalry. Good matchup. Commentated exclusively from the studios in Victoria. Not even a boundary rider, as I understand it. They don't have Rusciuto. I don't really rate Rusciuto, but at the very least, he's local. No local callers. <coughs> purely Vic-based. We're just going to call the showdown from over over East now. That's that's pretty villainous for me. Yeah, they don't uh, yeah. seem to think about it too much, do they? They and like the, what they miss from from not being at the ground. You know that that insightful what you don't see on the camera. We're yeah. not with you know if, if that is there, we're not we've got no access to that at all. They'll just be whatever they see on the screen, and that'll be it. Yeah, uh, I, I think AFL is well, Australian rules is one of those. It's really hard to know what's going on when you can't see the whole ground, especially in the day's footy, because the number of times what you can see at the ground compared to what you can see on the TV screen is so limited. Um, and if you're trying to call a game of footy and you can't see half the ground, I don't know how the fuck you can make a judgment on what anyone's doing. Um, it's a billion fucking dollar interest industry, and we're getting guys calling games off their fucking iPads. I mean, and they're not even good at it. They're not even good callers. I mean, they're bad enough like you've, the ground. That's the point. You've not got the best of the best doing it. And we saw, I'm no cricketer by any stretch. We all know that I'm uh, not exactly a cricket fan. But there was that very funny one that did the rounds where they're commentating how good it was that this guy's absolutely knocked this six. It's amazing. They're going up. The crowd's loving it. The commentary loving it. And then about five seconds of silence and somebody goes, oh, no, he's out. Oh, he's out. Because somebody hit it short, didn't clear the boundary, and he's out. Like this, that's cricket. That's a very confined, single-focus sport. You can't call that off a screen. So I don't know how are you going to call the fucking showdown from Victoria. Doesn't do it for me, and I know we'll be on the receiving end of it soon enough. Thank God we've got Paps at the very least. Yeah. Uh, Bendon, I'll open it up to you for villain nominations because I got a feeling Key's got that look in his eyes tonight. So I'll, I'll uh, open the floor to you first, Bender. Yeah. Look, I think I've had a fairly positive week for the most part but uh, Mig's already stole my thunder with Sumich and his rating of Ryan um nice. I think I just kind of read that the next day and was like god really you know and um that was about it for me but yeah otherwise I thought that not not much ticked me off this week um so yeah nice. that was it and, and I'll throw it open to Key so you can have a, a good run up at it oh well I mean we've touched on it that article on the web that that's fucked I mean you know just the guy's two games in, and I and I think in a lot of ways it's not it's not necessarily on the journalist, it's on the the um, editors at the West, yeah, who have shown yeah. themselves to be a fucking totally shit piece of newspaper. I mean, everything they do is just crap. I hate them. 
I don't know. I haven't bought the West for I reckon a decade, and I reckon the last time I bought it was because I needed something to climb your Barbie with. Um, um, so they can get in the bin. And the worst thing is, all they've done is probably fire up a guy who was playing like a fucking lemon. Um, so he'll probably dominate on the weekend because he'll have his back up. But yeah, screw that, and the screw the screw the female supporters for jumping in on over it over you know you want to whinge about a guy getting um pilloried by a paper and then you, your first thought is to jump on somebody else instead fuck off your muppets um and then just just the the media afl media just in general um i watched i didn't watch all of it because i can't stand the show but i watched mm. bits of caroline wilson having a crack at sam mitchell on footy classified on monday and having a go at him because you know they got rid of all their veterans and they've thrown the young guys to the walls and you know yeah okay maybe there's some ability to that but those same fucking ass clowns are the same ones that are going west coast didn't move on their old ones and they didn't cut deep enough it's like, well, you can't have it. You can't criticise a club for cutting too deep, and a week after you've been having a crack at another club for not going deep enough. It's like, well, you go this way or you go that. You either you either back one and criticise the other, mm. or vice versa. You can't have a crack at both. So or. Or and I know I know the answer to this one. You can have a bit of nuance. You can have a look and and but you know the middle doesn't sell. So you well, got to. You know, that's, that's the thing. They can have a look at the. They can have a look at the players they've got. They've moved on and and what you know Mitchell answered with was okay. We've got Amir, We've got a lot of young midfielders and Omara and Mitchell. We're going to take the time mm. from those guys coming through. So it's like we moved mm. those guys on because we've got the likes of Day and Newcomb and uh, Ward and these blokes that we need to get game time. If if we keep one or both of those two older ones, those young guys don't get games. Um, Everyone's patting Collingwood on the back all of a sudden because it's like, oh, that fire sale from three years ago was fucking brilliant. The They're time, one of the oldest they're... teams in footy, sorry. That's that's a false yeah. narrative. And, uh, you know, now they're saying, oh, how good was it getting rid of Trelaw and how good and Phillips and all these guys and move they're still paying for fucking Trelaw. Um, and Grundy. And, 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 and they've the, got and six thirty year olds and six one fifty gamers. Part of the reason was part of the reason that Colin would have come back on is because one of their ex players, Sprog, turns out to be one of the best players in the country. So and they got him for, for peanuts. So hmm. it's not necessarily because of their fucking genius in dumping players. It's partly because um, you know it's partly good luck. And one of the guy, one of their best players, is a bloke that nine twelve months ago. Everyone in the media was telling Collingwood they should be sacking him and kicking him out of his contract because he touched the chick's tit in the tit in a barley bar. Um, you know they can they just they just shit me with what they do and they don't look. They so very rarely look past more than what happened on the last game. So yes. if you have a good game, if you have a good game on the weekend, you're fucking challenging for the flag. If you have a bad game, well, you're in some sort of crisis, and God forbid you lose two in a row, because then you're completely fucked. Right, round three. Let's bring it home, gents. We've got round three. It is the derby. We play Fremantle, as we typically do in most derbies. And weirdly, the Eagles come in as the hot team. We come in above them on the ladder. I think Freo might still be the favourites, but uh, it's an odd one because Fremantle are in a bit of a state and a lot of people had some high expectations for them for the year. We both lost to North. Freo in somewhat dubious circumstance, although there was a bit of a mad scramble to... <laughs> Very much so. But nah, no, look, North were free and clear with five minutes to go and then Omira caught fire and good luck to him. There was obviously the, the Siren Gate version too as well. We lost to North, not dissimilar circumstance in terms of we let them get too far away and chipped away at it. Beat the Giants, they lost to the Saints. We don't really know where they all stand. So, Bender, we've got a, a derby here that's quite intriguing and the, we've actually got an opportunity to do a fair bit of damage to Freo here and sink them to 0-3. Yeah, it, look, it, I'm with you. I still think Fremantle are favourites. Um, the, the list or form maybe over the past 10 games is something you can look at more than just the past two. Um, mm. And, and you know, and I think that they're in front there. Um, but I, I do think it's hilarious that, that their midfield, you take out Monday and suddenly they've gone from, you know, the, the future premiership midfield to that now that they, they look slow and one-paced and small and all this kind of stuff. You know, I mean, not that Monday was super fast or anything. But, you know, dead last all, in clearances now, yeah. somehow. It's it's interesting. Um, 
But look, it's uh, I I don't want to hope too much. I think you know it's creeping in after last week's result. I'm starting to think like, oh, you know, we could we could pinch this. But if we do play like yeah. that, we we can we can definitely win. Um, but I think they're going to come out full of steam after being shat on in the media for a week and everyone questioning where they are um, and that back page. Um, but I'm hoping Simpson can can rev the boys up and and we can be ready for it and you know respond in kind. If you know what I mean. Uh, Keys, we'll go through the lineups. We haven't, we've obviously just got the extended benches at the moment. Uh, Clark, Edwards, and Hoff are in. Some interesting options there and, and some good waffle form there. But another thing I wanted to compare it with was just that most recent derby at the back end of last season. 12 changes to the squad, assuming we go in unchanged from the weekend. 12 changes to the team that played Frio last. We've got Gov back, Kelly, Sheed, Allen, uh, Hunt, Jinby, Witherden, and we brought back Cole, Williams, Long, Chessa and Hewitt. So a lot of fresh faces that played on the weekend who didn't play against Freo last time. Outs, you've got, since last time, Nat Nui and Redden obviously miss out. O'Neill, Foley, Nelson, Dixon, Harry Edwards is a chance. Langdon, Bazo, Hoff, Rotham, Clark. So a couple of the guys that are brought back did play against Freo last time. We've got some guys like, you know, Dixon and, and Nelson, Foley, guys that were on the fringes at the time and some of whom have been exited from the club. The ins compared to the last derby look pretty solid. Would you be making any changes to the round two side that beat the Giants? I'm not too sure. I think one of the win is that there wasn't really too many players you would turn around and say they deserve to be dropped. Um, I think the the two players most in danger are Chesser because he's had two relatively quiet games and there's an argument to say he perhaps might be best served playing some games, some time in the waffle. I'm not entirely sure about that, but there's there's an argument to, to move him down to the waffle. Um, and Hewitt, He's, he played a quarter, he came on, he sort of struggled to get in the game a little bit. Um, it's like, well, do you keep him for a sub for a second week? But, you know, if you're, you're holding him back because he hasn't got a tank, well, playing him as a sub two weeks in a row isn't Doesn't necessarily help. the best thing. Or do you back him in to play a full game? I think there's an argument to say um, put put Hewitt in for the full game and make Jess a sub, um, which isn't the change to the 23 and then I think outside of those two, there's your only other one you're looking at is is possibly Witherden. But I thought he had a decent enough game. I don't think he yep. deserves to be dropped. But that's whether you, um, if you're trying to find a spot for Edwards because you want to try and get some more height in the side, well then Witherden's the one that that maybe is uh, uh, you know perhaps vulnerable if we we throw Edwards in as another defender. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think we're changing around too much. Um, I did watch the waffle. I mean, Hoff had a really good game. Was he um, half back or wing, or what was the go? It's half. It was half back. He was totally half. Oh, back. Okay. Okay. Um, defended well, used the ball well, good run. So, um, so there's there's that. Clark played played purely on the wing, um, and was and was pretty. He had a good game too. Um, and Edwards was a bit. He struggled. His direct opponent got him on the lead a few times. With a high ball coming in, he was good, but on the lead, he sort of got exposed, um, exposed a little bit. So I don't, I don't really, I really, I, I'd be, we're kind of looking at unchanged. I think with maybe, um, you know, maybe Hoff for Chesser makes some sense. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't be, you know, no one could be unhappy with that. But I don't know. I don't think. I don't think, uh, put this way, I don't think we're going to lose the game on selection table this week. No, no. And that's a kind of a nice spot to be in for a change. Although I suppose there's an argument that we could blow it up by going in too tall, perhaps. But yeah, look, for me, it'd be Hoff for Chesser. Hearing that he largely played on the halfback in the waffle, I would say no change then. If they go Clark for Chesser, that's okay. If they back Chesser in, just keep pumping games. I'm kind of okay with that. That's sort of the spot we're at. Uh, Bender, the ruck setup is a very interesting one for us this week because you see Edwards in the extended bench. Jamison's obviously injured. Nick Nat, his one-week injuries turned into a five- to seven-week injury somehow, so good stuff. We saw it be Bailey Williams, best game in a long time from him. We saw Jake Waterman giving him a bit of a chop out. But Simo alluded to the fact that GWS go in small with their second ruck. Frio, meanwhile, they've got Darcy, they've got Jackson, the second most hitouts in the league through two weeks. So do you have to go in with an Edwards? Does that risk us going too tall? Or do you back Waterman in just as a, as a body and, and try and beat them with a bit of pace and a bit of spread once it hits the deck? Yeah, um- this is probably something that I worry about. I feel like they've they're maybe too conscious of Jackson and Darcy. I think Darcy, mm. you know, fair enough. He's yep. he's an elite ruckman, and and we should be wary of him. But I think 
Um, I think they're they're treating Jackson like he's an elite ruckman as well, which he's a decent player. I'm not going to take anything away from him, but he's not too Darcy's. You know what I mean? It's, it's a good stat for Kim. Come. There we go. No worries. We'll we'll swing to that in a set case. Sorry, go, fire away, Bender. Um, so yeah, look, I I think I'm I'm hoping they don't go for Edwards. My preference is they keep Waterman in. Um, yeah. And I think he can compete if not, you know, half the contest with Jackson when need be. He might get smashed around by Darcy without a doubt. But um, I'm hoping we go in unchanged, honestly, um, outside of a possibility of Hoff coming in. Um, and again, probably with you, maybe for Chesser. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just I worry that they're too conscious of this comp- this matchup when they might not need to be. Um, and I think they've got who they need on the in the side at the moment. I hope they don't change it. Uh, yeah. oh, fire away. Right. So we had Kim come through saying about Freo having the home ground advantage might be a bit of a leg up for them. So fire away there, Keys. I did I did a little bit of research on the head-to-head stuff with Eagles and Fremantle just to do the write-up for the game on, on the big footy site this week. When uh, Fremantle are the home side, we've got a 17-11 win-loss record with, with us a Fremantle home game. 15-12 when it's our home game. So we actually do better when it's an away game for us, funnily enough. So make it out what you will. Um, I think with the with the ruck, I, I think what Ben is saying is right, is I think I we've the ruck is where, when you look at the, the teams on paper, because where we're exposed, and we're mm. exposed quite badly, because Darcy's, you, you know Darcy's probably going to chop Williams up because he's such a bigger body and things like that. And then, you know, we're, we're perhaps going to have to be throwing Waterman at Jackson as the, the backup and they've still got a clear advantage. So I'm hoping that we've spent a lot of time uh, this week practicing uh, sharking opposition rock docks because mm. that's what we're going to be faced with. Um, I think it's a temptation to bring Edwards in um, to, to help in the ruck. Um, Edwards got thrown into the ruck in the last quarter against East Perth on the weekend. Yep. Didn't do particularly well. He's not he's not a ruckman. So I think I think bringing Edwards in doesn't necessarily move the needle in the ruck contest anyway. And what it does is just robs us a bit of a run. I think we might as well. But we haven't really got any choice. It's a shame Jamison got injured. He, his first quarter was exactly the same as what Williams's was. Mm. Um, he competed, he threw himself around, but he got he rolled his ankle in the opening bounce of the second quarter. His first quarter was pretty solid. He was rucking against Scott Jones, who, if people remember him from his Fremantle days, he's a pretty big fucking lump. Um, so he he competed pretty well with him. So, but he's out for a week or two. And you can't do anything about that. So you haven't got you haven't got him to throw in there. Um, you, you you've not got something. There's nothing you're going to do that's going to magically make the ruck contests more competitive. So you might as well just bite the bullet and say, well, let's yep. stick with. Something. Um, one of Jackson's Jackson's not yet uh, a super great ruck. Um, his 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 strength is when the ball hits the ground. Yeah, and his his attack at the ball. So Waterman can body him and and look after him when the ball hits the ground. So we, we might as well just go run with the run at the same and and just say okay, we're going to concede the ruck knocks. I mean, sides have been doing that against us for. Well, this is the thing. You're better off having a point of difference because if you put in Edwards and Williams, you're not winning anyway. And all you're robbing yourself of is some height or some movement somewhere else or you drop Waterman against all the odds for some stupid reason. You're robbing yourself of a forward target. I I don't see it. I just don't. I I think we're all on the same page. Hopefully the Eagles follow through. Uh, Bender, we were looking pre-show at some of the numbers as it relates to Frio. And they're very strange because, I mean, we've seen them go very slowly. They got four or five guys in the top 10 of marks, you know, individual players, you know, so they're half back line and some of their mids just mark the ball a lot. And we know obviously the relationship there in terms of Simo's game plan and a little bit of the Collingwood game plan that looks similar for a while. It doesn't look to be that. It certainly looks more Collingwood than 2018 Simo because three or third in kicks, first in handballs, first in marks, they get heaps of the footy, fourth in inside 50. And yet all of that has wound up in an 0-2 record and they are, third last in scoring, 16th in scoring, despite, you know, winning a lot of ruck taps. They don't get a lot of clearances. They somehow win the ball back and go inside 50. Can't put it through the big sticks. So I'm a bit intrigued, I guess, Bender, about the new look fast Slick Eagles game plan against apparently a Freo side that's embracing playing slowly. I think that kind of helps us. Yeah, from I know you mentioned that you hadn't watched either of the games and I think I've watched maybe about 
a half of each of, of the Frio games. And End that was ugly. Game, yeah. yeah, it was u- ugly footy for, for both games. Um, you know, and whether that was the opposition dragging them down or they just not up to, they haven't hit the, the season like they want to. Um, but as when the ball gets into their forward line, uh, you know, I, I, I don't want to be too harsh here. You know, it, 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 then it just does not look good like when the ball mm. goes forward for them. Um, Walters came on and suddenly, you know, aside from him diving every chance he got, um, he, you know, he made a difference to them. Um, he, you know, he added a, a huge amount of class, but you take him out of that forward line and you, it's, geez, it's, it's a worry and you hope, well, you expect our backs should be able to handle their forward line. It's just the, the volume that comes in, I think, which usually under, which has undone us the past season or so anyway. But uh, not, 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 not fun games to watch, I'll be honest with you, other than watching them lose. Uh, they subbed Tabiner out last week for Walters, and I saw a stat this week where they've got a lot more success targeting the smalls than the talls because between uh, Tabiner, Tracy, uh, Jackson, I think was probably the other name they threw in there, they got a horrible conversion rate, and then some of their smalls are actually going pretty well. But yeah, Tabs has come out of both games. So that's another reason for me to not bring Edwards in. You don't want Hearn, Edwards, Barras, Gov, plus the tall forward line, and then suddenly they flip it on you and, and take Tabiner out. You know, it doesn't really do a lot for me. Uh, Key's general matchups, you know, is there, we haven't really touched on, I suppose, the midfield mix. Their midfield's a bit of an unknown because it looked great last year. It looks good on paper. But, uh, you know, we obviously had a big bump in the clearances this week. Freo struggle with the clearances, it would appear. Any particular matchups that you're concerned about around the ground? I, I think this one's actually a little bit of an unknown. We're just going to have to wait and see, I guess, what we get on on the day. Yeah, I think it, it's... I think the one with with the Freo, with the Freo midfield is they're not they're not super big. So mm. Brayshaw and Sarong, and I think I, was, I can't remember. I was TV commentary or maybe the radio. They were talking about Amara and Mira, whichever Jag. Mm. Um, he's he's a solidly built fella, but he's I think he's 184, 185, something like that. They were saying and. 85 kilos, so he's not this massive big body that you need to, to worry about. Brody sort of started the season off pretty slowly. Um, as an overall thing, the Fremantle midfield, they're not big and they're not quick, so it's kind of like us. You know, we're not particularly big and we're not particularly quick, so um, so we probably match up man for man through the midfield. We probably match up reasonably well. Um, I expect they'll bring O'Driscoll in, which will give them a bit of pace on the outside, which they mm. they've lacked. Um, so, but then we've got Hunt or or Chester if he still plays. So we still we've got someone that can that can run with him. So I think midfield we're okay. Um, the Freo defence is still probably as good as just about anyone. You know, Cox and Pierce I rate very very highly. Yeah, Ryan's a solid, Ryan. Ryan's a solid defender. Um, then you got Young and. Um, Wilson Chapman plays. I rate as well. Chapman's yep. a you know, he's a good kid. Um and they've been playing um old volleyball Wilson down back as well of late. Um so they've got some good defenders, they've got a bit of they've got a little bit of bounce, but they haven't been using that bounce off half back. They've struggled. They've been that first game against Silver, Cox and Ryan and in particular had huge marks and disposal numbers because they were playing kick to kick with themselves with each other. For a lot of that, so um, but you know, Alan's Alan will probably have Pierce matched up to him, so he'll have a yeah, he'll have another tough tough day at the office. Um, Darling will probably get picked up by either Ryan or Cox, um, and then Waterman if he plays forward, he'll get the other one. Um, but I think as much as Young and Chap, they're not they're good rebounding defenders, but I don't think they're good man on man defenders. So Ryan should you know they'll be worried about Ryan. Um, uh, you know, Long's not. You know, there's he's not someone that the match committee is going to spend a lot of time saying, "Well, how did we do the night long?" But but you know, he's someone that can get in under and yeah, you know, they're going to have, have to a worry cameo. about Crips. Yeah, have to worry about Crips. I think up forward, you know, what's their, their forward lines? You know, Tavener's out of form. Jackson's out of form. He's not a you know, even he was at Melbourne, he wasn't a great forward in any mm. case. Um, Tracy's not been named. Fife's not been named. Amos is still finding his way in in the game. So he's you know young young kid, young key position player. That's you know if he got two or three goals, you turn around and pat him on the back. So yeah, good game, son. Um, you know Walters did. He sparked as Ben just said. He sort of sparked Fremantle. But we have got you know someone like Cole can can play on him. Um, and then what do you got? Schultz and Switzkowski that mm. you know, they're they're probably two they're probably a couple of guys that can get underneath and that's Frederick as well. Playing. I feel like he carves us most times. Frederick oh, last yeah, year had a, had a nice Frederick year against play. us. He's, yeah, his pace is a concern. So um I think if you got if you got basically 
equal inside fifties, I think we win. Mm. But the the worry is that with a with the potential ruck dominance is you know, they get first use and they just you know, we just live in their forward half and that's where the ball stays for the match and we just struggle to get it out and we kinda revert back to that north game where we just can't get out game going and get locked in D fifty and and, and Fremantle just wear us down. I don't think whoever if if a side can get twelve goals, that'll win. Yeah, very much so. I thought you were kidding, not kidding so much, but I thought you were maybe exaggerating about the kick to kick status from that St Kilda game. Thirty seven disposals and thirteen marks for Ryan and Brennan Cox. Thirty disposals, twenty marks. Hayden Young, thirty and thirteen. Jordan Clark, twenty eight and eleven. They're just chipping around the back. Nice work, gentlemen. Nicely done. Uh, let's get into some tips then, guys, because I feel like this one's. Hard to call. I think we're factoring, you know, recent history into it quite a bit, but we haven't really seen enough yet of either side to know what the actual reality is, I suppose, for them. So, Ben, did you want to lead us off? Who do you think is going to win uh, by how much and which eagle do you think is going to impress us the most? Yeah, look, um, I think it's it's one of the few derbies in a while where we go into it and it's it, it seems really evenly matched. Um, mm. I think it, it's going to be a close one. I think Eagles are going to win by 13 wow. um, points, not goals. Um, no, no, that's and, still <laughs> um, and my, my, what, they hand out two medals, don't they? Or is it just one medal with two names on One medal, one med- two names. Yeah. Okay. So what is it? Alan and Glenn Alan Denning medal. Yeah. 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 yeah righto. Fair enough. Um, I initially was thinking Ryan, um, but I'm going to go for Shuey. I think he's going to be fired up and he's going to want to lead the way and I think he's going to have a big game. Nicely done. Keys, do you back in Bender there? Are we actually going to win a derby for the first time in a long time? Yeah, it's uh, three in a row they've won now. So going that sort of more recent history where you know, there's some pretty long winning streaks one way or the other. Mm. Um, so it'd be nice to stop their run at three and start working on our new streak of the last streak we won 11 in a row. So it'd be nice to go on another, this will be the first of another 11. <laughs> um, I want to tip us, but I'm not, I just, the ruck worries me. Mm. When Darcy murdered us last time, got the Glendale and Mellon, that, that's, that's the one thing in the back of my mind that I'm, I'm really concerned about. So who was he rucking against last time? It was Williams and Dixon. It was, oh, no, Nui and Dixon. Nui on one leg. Mm, and Dixon pinch hitting. Yeah. So, um, and it was one of those ones where I think, you know, all the Fremantle fuckers were gloating about how shit that Nui was and it was like, you know, Darcy's got him covered and that Nui's shit. And I was like, well, the guy can barely fucking walk. No wonder he beat him. Because I think that was it was that new, that new didn't play after that game. I don't think from memory. He, um, no, he played sixty percent on time on ground as well. Yeah, so I'm going to say I think Fremantle will probably end up winning it by nine points. Um, I won't say Glenn, if they win, they'll be one of the dickheads that'll mm. get it, which will probably probably be, be if they win, they'll be it'll, Darcy will win the medal because that's what will drive it. Um, our best player, I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say Jimby. Wow. Because Fun. Ex, ex-Freo supporters, thrown them in the bin, burnt all their merchandise, um, turned his back on them and will, you know, prove that he really, really fucking hates them now um, and have a, have a big game. So Jimby the Earn himself a rising star. Strong stuff. You'd love to see it. There was a streak. Uh, Swamp posted a streak this week in terms of, how recently everybody's had a rising star nomination. Oh, I, would say, I would say 16 maybe of the 18 clubs have had one within 22 rounds. So in essence, within the last season, I think Melbourne, oh, somebody else, somebody else hadn't had one for about 24 rounds or something. And then there was West Coast, 62 rounds, genuinely years and years and years. Uh, I think Freer will win, sadly. I think, I don't quite understand. Look, as we were talking about, I only watched the last quarter of the North game. I didn't see their Saints game. So I don't understand how it's arriving at, at how it is. They'll win the ruck, but if you go in knowing that, that's okay. You can mitigate that. And we've seen teams try it against us for a long time. Looking at how slowly they play, I can see an avenue that we could win it, but I just think they'll get a rocket. They'll they'll come back at some point. They are a good side. I don't know that they're a top two, top four side, you know, even without the slow start, but they're a good side. They certainly deserve to be finalists. I just think they'll probably get us a couple, you know, four or five goals. Not ideal, but it is what it is. Uh, Bender, I'm happy you didn't say Liam Ryan because I want to say Liam Ryan. He has started like an absolute house on fire. Profile maybe has diminished somewhat since 2010. I know we had that awesome year then, but genuinely, I reckon all Australian form. And I can't. When he was 12. (laughs) What? What did I say? 2020? What did I say? 2010. 2010. Yeah, well, tell you what. (laughs) 
in the juniors. He was out there running amok. They couldn't touch him. You know, you get a snake or whatever. You get a little, you get a Macca's voucher or something. He was eating, eating good for a year. 2020, he was good. 2023, he's good as well. There is no one in footy I would rather trust with an inside 50 than Liam Ryan. He is just unbelievable. So I think he'll be our best on the weekend. And hopefully I'm wrong about the result, but we'll wait and see on that front. Uh, a couple of tips coming through. Eagles by 30, best on ground. Kelly. Uh, Miggs reckons that Oscar Allen might be our last rising star nomination. He is now in the leadership group and has played over 50 games despite missing an entire season. So... Fingers crossed that Jinby can uh, get us one pretty soon or Hewitt or Cully or Chesser or Hoff or somebody, please. Wouldn't it be Allen? No. Who's had one more recently than Allen? Don't know. Must have been, right. must have been that big run of games that Jared Brando impressed us for. You might, big might be right. He's a pretty smart fucker sometimes. Every <laughs> now and then. <laughs> there you go. All right, well, nicely done, Jets. I reckon we'll leave it there. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Everybody in the comments as well, fantastic to see. A few uh, a few new faces for the first time this season in the comments as well and a few returning faces as well. So share the show, share the love. Hopefully the Eagles get a win. And imagine we came in on, on two in a row and a derby win and sinking Freo to 0-3. It might, we might just have to have a full-on party next week if that's the case. But uh, anyway, Bender, thank you very much. Thanks for coming on the show. My pleasure. Thank you. Nicely done. Uh, Mig's coming through with Alan. Round 21, 2019 was apparently our last rising star nomination so keys take that and thank you very much for coming on the show as well yeah no worries if we um if we win i'm finding that guy that sat next to me and buy me a beer because he can clearly afford it nicely done <laughs> we'll we'll have 20 each on the show from siren to siren <laughs> next week maybe not all right guys well we'll leave it there thank you for all the views all the comments and all the love and we will see you next time bye for now bye Cheers.